Welcome to the Invested Dads Podcast, simplifying financial topics so that you can take action and make your financial situation better, helping you to understand the current world of financial planning and investments. Here are your hosts, Josh Robb and Austin Wilson. All right. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to the Invested Dads Podcast, the podcast where we take you on a journey to better your financial future. Today, we are going to be answering the question, dun, 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 what the heck is going on? Because it seems like the market is falling apart. You know, spoiler alert, we're still within the long-term average of a drawdown intra-year. So, I know, yes, but it hasn't feels happened in forever. It, it does, right? You know, three years in a row of like 20% returns in the market, this yeah. downturn just is not fun. I know. Yeah. So, so here we are today. Let's talk about it. We're recording this on the 25th of January. And actually, as of yesterday, intraday, in the middle of the day, mm-hmm. the S&P 500 officially, in the middle of the day, went through the officially 10... intraday. Yeah, and went through the 10% threshold mm-hmm. into what would be considered a correction, yes. an official correction. So, to, as a reminder, a correction is a 10% drawdown from an all-time high, and that is opposed to what we also know, call a bear market, which is then 20%. Yes. We, we don't have... 20% bear markets all that often. The last one we had was in 2020 due to COVID. We do, on average, have about one, not quite, but almost one correction per year historically. Yes. And we just haven't had one in so long that it just is not cozy. So not only that, but we're in a midterm election year. Yes, we are. Now, what's the average drawdown in a midterm election year? Isn't it like 17? 17%. Right. So... Not only are we within the norm of what we normally see, right. but in a year like this where there's midterm, there is even more volatility. And so you could expect even more of this going forward. And couple that with the fact that on average, midterm election years have a lower performance than non-midterm years. Which, yes. So therefore, you technically have, you know, there's three out of every four years mm-hmm. is not a midterm year. Yeah. Three out of every midterm years is a midterm year. Mm-hmm. Or one out of every... Four. You know yeah. what I'm talking about. Yeah, I got you. So you have more non-midterm years than midterm years. But anyway, during midterm years, average U.S. stock market performance, I think this is going back to like 1901 or something like yeah. that, is like 5%. Yep. And it actually almost all occurs in the fourth quarter after the election's already settled. Yeah, so you're kind of just hanging around, maybe yeah. slightly down. Yep. And then the elections happen. A little bit of a rally. And then you have a kind of end of year. Compare that to long-term overall stock market average for the same period that's over 10%. For non-election years. For non-election years. And then in total, that's about eight. Yep. Right? Kind of in in the middle there. So it's not unusual to have ho-hum or not-so-great stock market performance in a midterm year. But I think what is also driving a lot of this uncertainty in the markets is the inflation factor that's driving the Fed to do all kinds of things. And let's talk about that a little bit. So talk about the Fed in general. So the Federal Reserve has... Two mandates. Yep. Those mandates are... You know, speaking of mandates, Oop. we need to hang We out need more. to go... Ha- yeah. yeah. So we anyway, need to go on sorry, I didn't interrupt. Yes. I went to Fort Finley oh. and on a Saturday morning, and they were closed. Closed? No way. And my what wife week, what and I, was it? a couple weeks ago, Okay. there was some COVID thing on the door. Mm. I was bummed. Yes. But anyway, Fed, two yep. mandates. Mandates. <laughs> so one is full of inclusive employment yep. and with unemployment at 3.9% we're almost where we were pre-pandemic yep. levels which were lows all the way back to the 60s so we're at real, we're really it, we're going to say long term full yep. employment we're there yep. 
Because you, you, don't, you don't get to zero. You don't get to zero. Yeah. And we still have more job openings than unemployed people. So very tight labor market. Yep. So Fed gets a check mark on, yep, that's the, good. on, the, they're, on they're that happy. mandate. Yep. The other mandate is stable pricing, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's measured by inflation, and the Fed uses core PCE, and they want to see around 2% long yes. over long-term averages. Have we seen 2% inflation no. this year? We've, yeah, we have twice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so core PCE is about 5-ish. Yeah. And so, yeah, we're seeing higher than what they're mandating. And core takes out food and energy. And yep. what do you and I buy it on a daily basis? Yes, that's food the average. Everybody's budget consists of food and That's a big piece of it. So yeah. looking at what they call headline inflation, and we've talked about this many times, we're seeing 7% as of December year-over-year headline inflation. So what this is doing is it's prompting the Federal Reserve to say, okay, labor market looks really solid. No worries there. Yep. We're essentially good to go. Inflation, I think we're a little behind the eight ball on inflation because yep. it's crept up also on us. It's pretty hot. It's not transitory so, anymore. So, yeah, they took that word off. We're not yep. talking transitory. So the Federal Reserve is saying, hey, we really need to slow down our bond purchases, which is one thing they were doing. They were using quantitative easing to go add stability and liquidity to fixed income markets by buying fixed income assets. Yep. Well, They've slowed that dramatically, and that will be gone in about March. Yep. The other part of that, their other lever, so that's one. Their other is interest rates. And short-term overnight lending rates is essentially what they can control. And then all interest rates extrapolate from there. Mm -hmm. But what the Fed has said is that they're open. uh, Interest rate hikes for one once the tapering is done. So that puts it on the table in March. And that they are, because of where we're at, seeing three-plus Interest rate hikes through the remainder of 2022. Okay. So, Josh, the question is, what what the heck do interest rate hikes have to do with volatility in the stock market? Yeah. So, there's there's a couple pieces in there, but the biggest one that the stock market is looking at is the stock market generally is trading on forward guidance. In other words, they're looking forward to the future. And so, one of the things that they have to do is factor in what you know if i'm a company and i'm reporting my earnings Josh one Robbins. of the things i do is i say here's what i expect to yeah. have happen in the next year or so and so to do that i have to put in some assumptions and one of my assumptions is my cost for lending and if the fed is raising interest rates on their piece and all interest rates are going to follow suit which is what they do and my costs go up for my lending for my borrowing for all my debt then my future chance to grow is limited. If I'm thinking I was going to go 5% when it was 0.25% federal funds rate, and then now they're going to say they want to get to two-ish in the next couple of years, then my 5% growth is probably not going to happen. Right. And so what I have to do is then change my results, which then if my price was already reflecting what they think I was going to do, that then is going to have to adjust my price potentially. And that's yeah. what we're seeing as a big piece of it is if the Fed is raising rates, then for companies who have some sort of connection to that debt will then have a harder time earning the same amount that they had anticipated at right. the current rate. Right. So, yes, there's the debt burden will be higher yes. as interest rates go higher. My obligation. Yeah. Right. The other component that interest rate increases affecting stocks is called discounting. Mm-hmm. So, like you had mentioned, stock prices today are reflecting what we think the company's going to do in the future, right? Yep. So we're looking forward. Well, the further out, the the more growth built into these numbers going forward, when you have to look at that, what it's worth today, you have to make it, because things get more expensive over time, 
you have to make it in today's dollars. Yep. So what do you do? You discount it to yep. today's dollars based on interest rates. Yeah. So like and cash flow. Exactly. Yes. Cash flow, dividends, yep. profits, all of these things you're looking at. 10 years of dividends, you know, earnings and cash flows and saying, what are they worth to me today to get the intrinsic value yep. of what a stock is? Well, if you're using a higher interest rate to discount that back, all, if, if you left all those numbers the same, they're worth less in today's dollars. So then if they're worth less today, and that's the value of the company that you're then pricing, the stock price, in, needs, the stock to price needs to go down. So that is what's happening there. Another thing to consider is that we, like you had mentioned earlier, we had three years of 20% stock market returns. It's, it was nice. Is that normal? No, definitely not normal. No. What's normal? Eight to 10. Yeah. And that's like... That's the long-term average. Long-term. Yeah. So we've had above-trend stock market performance for mm-hmm. years, which in some ways can be justified on certain things. But with interest rates being exceptionally low during this time, multiples for what people are paying for some of these stocks has gotten a little, a little out of hand. So... We were due for some sort of revaluation as the free money, you know, the discount rate being zero, is no longer a reality. So couple that with the fact that what side of the market's getting hit the hardest? Tech. Mm -hmm. The NASDAQ specifically. Well, those are the ones that are trading at the highest earnings multiples, which means they are having the highest on the future growth side of things built into their valuations, which they're getting adjusted more. Mm -hmm. So all of this is kind of set up a perfect storm for a correction here in January. And I don't really see, you know, the, the uncertainty isn't gone. Right. We're, we're still having, we don't know exactly what's going to happen. On the 26th, which is the day after recording this, the mm-hmm. Federal Reserve is going to release their minutes and talk, really, they're going to lay out what they're going to do in March, probably. Yep. For all intents and purposes, it seems, it seems 100% likely you're going to get an interest rate hike in March. Yep. Okay. They're going to start that process. And that would be usually, quarter. lately it's been a quarter of a percent or 25 basis yep. points, which lifts it a little bit. Mm-hmm. But in, in fact, you know, the bond market is pricing in actually about a 5% chance for a 50 mm-hmm. basis point or half a percent. Double that, yeah. A half a percent rate hike in March. And that would, that might shock the market. If you only have a, the thing that the market does, dislikes is uncertainty and yep. shocks yep. and changes and things like that. So, if you're anticipating a 25, if there's a 95% chance of a 25 basis point hike and you get a 50, because it's only a 5%, surprised. that's a surprise, and that's a surprise the wrong way for discounting of future yep. earnings that's a, and, and stuff like that. So if that happens, I think we'll probably see a little bit more uncertainty. Yeah. On the flip side, what could happen is the Fed could come out as seeing how the market's reacting to all this uncertainty that's going on and selling off. The Fed could be like, Ooh, we, maybe we've sounded a little too aggressive Maybe we think that this inflation thing will transitory itself out a little bit more and we won't have to be as hawkish. And in that case, they may have a 25 basis point one in March and then give some guidance to say, okay, well, now we're going to see, wait and see. We're going to take a wait and see approach, see how inflation works out, and then make a move. And in that case, you probably get a little bit of a relief rally because maybe things were overdone at this point. Yeah. So, Josh, before we get any further. Yes. I have a dad joke of the week for you. Oh, you have one? Because I know the next part of the show is where Josh is going to shine. Yes. But I want to make you laugh first. And that dad joke of the week comes from Reddit. Yeah. It's more of a dad phrase. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with the movie Back to the Future? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking to sell my DeLorean. Okay. You know the car. The DeLorean, yes. Mm -hmm. Also, I want one. I think they're really cool. They have a little, they're terrible little French 
Citroen motor in them or whatever. They're very slow. They're all steel, Very right? heavy, stainless steel. Stainless steel. But I think that with like The a, doors pop up. Oh, yeah. Oh, that yeah. with an LS swap. Mm, perfect. So anyway, looking to sell my DeLorean. Good shape, low mileage, only driven from time to time. Time to time. I like it. <laughs> I like it. So that's the dad joke of the week. So, Josh, we kind of framed what is going on, and yes. it's shocking, right? Yep. We've seen big moves. In fact, you know, multiple percent per day, and sometimes... You'll go down a couple percent and then close up. And like, who knows what's happening right now? What does the investor need to know in this environment? So like, how can they position themselves? Mm -hmm. What do they need to do? What do they need to think about? Yep. So the first piece of all this is, this is not new. Volatility is here. And it's been here before. It's new if you started investing in 2020. It's not new to the world. It may be (laughs) new to you. But the idea there is that this is part of a normal cycle, right? What we're experiencing is within the norm. That being said, you need to have a plan. Because since this isn't new and this isn't something strange or unseen, this needs to be part of your plan to say, okay, this is going to happen. What will I do when this happens? And what you need is a plan that you can stick to. The plan needs to factor in what your goals are, where you're going, what you're doing, your age, and your risk tolerance, and figure all that together to say, okay, what do I need to do with my investments? If the plan is sound, and you used a visor, which is going to be my next piece of it, but if the plan is sound, then just stick with it. This volatility, the temptation becomes either trying to get out and avoid the downturn, or say, I want to get some cash ready and get it in right when it's low so I get all this growth. Can the you reality do that? of that is you No, can't you do really that. cannot perfectly time the market. Professionals um, can't do that. Even, yeah, they're just, can you get close? Maybe. But to do that consistently is next to impossible. And what we've found historically is when you miss the best days in the market, you really hurt your long-term performance. And, when and those the best, best days, days occur? happen close to the worst days. Right, it's crazy. And so it's just hard to know. Yeah. So our concept, our theory, and what I think most people need to do is just stick with a plan. Do the things you can do that you control. For instance, consistently averaging your money in by adding it at a set time, mm-hmm. no matter what. Dollar cost averaging, that's oh, what that is. It's a beautiful it's great. thing. But what it does is it removes that temptation to try to just time when your money flows in. So just add it no matter what, get it invested, and do a set schedule. And then the other thing with sticking with that plan is... You're not looking to say, what am I going to do between now and March or anything like that? It should be long-term. And in a long-term concept, the short-term volatility is really irrelevant. It does not matter. So that's the first one. I mentioned advisor. If you have an advisor, I think that helps because you have someone else there alongside you to help you when you are maybe starting to get a little worried, starting to panic, or starting to think through maybe making some decisions that may hurt you. So an advisor is there to say, hey, here's our plan. Here's how it works. Let's do this together. I'm here. We're watching it. We're, we're making those adjustments as needed, but we're going to stick to this plan. So we want you to work with an advisor. Yes. It's a great tool. If mm-hmm. you don't have one, feel free to check out our website. Yep. There's an Invest With Us tab, and you can talk to us. And we're happy to talk to you and, and look at your financial situation. One thing I wanted to discuss was you know, it, it really has an impact on what phase of life you're in right mm-hmm. now, how you feel, yep. because or how you should feel, maybe. Yes. Because if you are not within especially 10 years, of needing your any money at all, you should sleep well at night and have no worries at all and think of, you know, continue to add. If you're not adding, be adding. Mm-hmm. This is a great time to buy 
tech stocks 20% off their highs. They're right? on sale. They're on sale. So if you have some time before you need to access this money, great. This is good for you. If you're getting a little closer, it becomes a little bit more maybe difficult to swallow. However, hopefully the thought is that you worked with an advisor to get a plan in place where it's not all hinging on the the stock market going up this year. Right, you know, yeah. and your risk tolerance would have brought if you it's if it's lower, you would have had some bonds to offset some of these things, and there's a plan in place. Yeah, the plan is key, and you know, preparing for where you're at in life is huge. If you're close to a big life transition, then you need to be a little more defensive. That doesn't mean you got to get out of the stock market, but it may mean, hey, let's build up that emergency fund a little bit. And when I'm talking life transition, it could be something as simple as, hey, I think I'm going to do a career change. Well, there's some instability there in your life that yeah. will cause other things like market volatility to be more apparent to you. So ahead of time, if you can plan for those things, say, let's build up that emergency fund. Let's get some extra cash so this volatility won't be as big of a deal to me. Right. And the other big transition, obviously, is retirement, where you are going to be starting to draw. That's the one where you do kind of say, okay, let's get some extra cash floating around. Let's get some kind of saving setup that if there is a downturn right when I'm transitioning, I've prepared for. So again, it all comes back yeah. to a plan. Just prepare yep. for those scenarios and set up some things, whether it's a new account or some sort of adjusting your investments or something to say, I'm ready for those things that will cause me stress in my life. And planning ahead is going to allow you to not make the big mistake of having to or choosing to sell your stocks when they're down 10 or 20%, yeah. yep. because that is how you lose money. Yes. You don't lose money if you don't sell. Right. And the moment you sell when they're down, you actually Locking lose money. Locking it in, yep. Um, so that's why Josh has talked about having money set aside. And what we talk about you know, in, in our world is thinking of things like a bear market fund. So suppose yes. you have a 20% drawdown. You really don't want to be touching your stocks. Mm-hmm. They're down. Yep. Don't sell them when they're down. Nope. Have some cash or bonds or something on the side that is not down near as much, if at all, mm-hmm. where you can then pull those cash needs from something like that. Yep. That is the way to mitigate some of this. So then when the stock market recovers, you can yeah. proceed as you were yeah. and then you know refill that fund or whatever as you go. So that is kind of where we like to, to encourage people, right? Yep. Yeah. Or if, you know, like some industries that when you retire, you have crude vacation days or all those things, you get kind of a big chunk. Like that's a great way to just kind of Set it push aside. to the side and say, this is just in case type right. of thing. You know, it's, it's great to have those opportunities. So yeah, it's all thinking ahead and planning. Um, you do not want to make investment decisions on a whim. And that's really the big thing to avoid is have a well-thought-out plan and work with somebody to help you think through those scenarios and, and go that route. Well, Josh, any other closing thoughts on what to do in a turbulent time in the market? You know, the best thing to do is just turn the TV off. Turn it off. If you can just ignore it and do your job of adding that money in while you're working, that's the key, is don't worry about the market. The long-term market will work itself out. Short-term volatility you have a plan in place, especially if you have an advisor who's looking at those underlying holdings, let them take care of that. And you just do your job and don't worry about the volatility. That's huge. Absolutely. Well, as always, check out our free gift to you, a brief list of eight principles of timeless investing. It's free on our website. Check that out. Josh, how can people help us grow this podcast? Yep. Make sure you subscribe that way. Every Thursday, you get our newest episode sent right to you. If you know somebody who is concerned about what's going on, share this episode with them. But if you have questions about it or you something popped up along with this, shoot us an email. We'd love to answer your questions at hello at the investedads.com. 
well. Until next Thursday, have a great week and turn off the TV. That's right. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Invested Dads podcast. This episode has ended, but your journey towards a better financial future doesn't have to. Head over to theinvesteddads.com to access all the links and resources mentioned in today's show. If you enjoyed this episode and we had a positive impact on your life, leave us a review. Click subscribe and don't miss the next episode. Josh Robb and Austin Wilson work for Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. All opinions expressed by Josh, Austin, or any podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Hicks and Zerker Capital Management. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Clients of Hicks and Zerker Capital Management may maintain positions in the securities discussed in this podcast. There is no guarantee that the statements, opinions, or forecasts provided herein will prove to be correct. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Indices are not available for direct investment. Any investor who attempts to mimic the performance of an index would incur fees and expenses, which would reduce returns. Securities investing involves risk, including the potential for loss of principal. There is no assurance that any investment plan or strategy will be successful.